Welcome to the Skyline Church Podcast. I'm Jonathan Middlebrooks, one of the pastors here at Skyline Church. Skyline is a worshiping community, a disciple-making community, and a generational community. We're committed to seeing revival in our city sparked through the presence of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. These sermons are specific to that purpose and in the context of our unique community. We hope that it might bless you in some way. Enjoy. We're actually going to talk about the prophet and the ministerial gifts. So if you wouldn't mind opening your Bibles or your technological devices, whatever you prefer, to Ephesians 4. And we're going to read some scripture first, and then we're going to launch in. Uh, We're going to start in verse 11, and we're going to go through 16. I've got it up here if you just want to look there as well. Um, Ephesians 4, verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, pause real quick. Originally, that was just going to be the launching text, but this morning, I felt like the Lord was like, you need to include 14 through 16. So we're going to go. We're going to go 14 through 16. Uh, Then we will no longer be uh, be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I love that. I think 14 through 16 offers uh, more substance to this because today we're, we're honing in on, uh, on profit. But it's easy for us to be like, okay, well, that's not my spiritual gift. I'm tuning out. But there is a role for the whole body to play. Uh, and, and I'm excited about talking about that this morning. So real quick, the way that my uh, ministerial gift sets Ephesians 4, that's that five-fold ministry we just talked about. The way I like to do things is I like to take a concept and at least try to simplify it down to something that's a little bit more memorable. That's not always useful, but it was in this exercise. So these are not all-encompassing, and we're going to kind of move through them real quick, but I just thought they were a fun way. If it, if it speaks to you, take a picture or something. Uh, but the apostles are like the builders of the church, of the body. Uh, the prophets are like mouthpieces, and they, the way they're a mouthpiece means like they can like, they're like true north on a compass. They're hearing God's voice, and they're constantly reorienting the body back to true north, which is to behold him. Um, teachers, they're packagers of truth. In any circumstance, you can give them anything. And the Holy Spirit, when that gift is activated in them, they're able to like break down God's truth in a way that's just 
fantastic and palatable and understandable, and it kind of speaks to your heart. Uh, I say shepherd pastors. I love the word shepherd because it kind of speaks to what a, what a pastor does. And they're just tenders of the flock. And, and lastly, the evangelists, like Hayden said last week, those are your attractors. They're like the bright lights that, uh, it's a weird analogy, but like the bugs gravitate towards lights. Have you seen a bug's life? Where it's just like, oh, they're like, don't go towards the light. He's like, I can't help it. That's kind of what these evangelists do. When they get out in the world and the Holy Spirit's activating that gift within our evangelists, people can't help but gravitate towards them. And, and I said this when I spoke on teaching, Jesus was the fulfillment of all five of these things. That's the reason why he's the head and he's dispersed amongst the body these five roles. And uh, when Jesus walked the earth, he was a light. He was a magnet to people, especially sinners. Whether you liked them or not, you were showing up. That's what the evangelists do when the Holy Spirit activates that. So, another thing that I want to do really quickly are some myths. We're going to debunk. Anybody watch Mythbusters? This is biblical Mythbusters. We're going we're gonna to go through these four myths of uh, is this true or not with the prophetic because there is some misunderstanding nowadays with this gifting. Um, the first one is that it stopped with the apostles. This is the one that I'm going to go in uh, the longest on, and we're going to kind of go through. And, and I want to do it really with like kindness and humility. Here at Skyline, we do not believe that's true. We don't. And I included two verses up there that I was going to be like, I, I want to share this. I want to share these verses with you. But I, I feel like the Lord actually, you can write those verses down and go read them. But I, the, I feel like the Lord wants me to say it in this way, so it doesn't seem as... Um, aggressive or confrontational because I want to be honest. Like it, it, there's probably a likelihood that there's people in this crowd who either grew up believing that or maybe still believe that. And my, my intention is not to bash this over your head, but it's actually to like open up a new way of thinking about this. Think of the Bible. For all we know, from the beginning of time, Adam and Eve, God has spoken to human beings. Don't ask me why. For some reason, God, when he created human beings, he wanted to dwell with them and partner with them. And part of partnership is relationship, and part of relationship is good communication. So we have a God who speaks to us. And not only speaks to us, but desires to speak to us. You get that through the entire Bible, the entire Bible, Old Testament prophets. They're covenant reminders. They're like, hey, remember this covenant you made to Yahweh back then? Let's stick to that, okay? Let's get back to there. Or like Moses said at the end of Deuteronomy, if you go this way, we're going to get wiped out. And it's not necessarily that God is vindictive towards us. This is our own doing. So the prophets were trying to get people back into that true north position of receiving and hearing from Yahweh. Then comes Jesus. Then comes Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit is poured out on these people in this upper room and the church is ignited in that moment. It is out of his character, at least in my mind, for him to speak all the way up until the point where he gives us his own spirit. And then he's like, all right, I'm done talking to you guys. I'm done now. You got my spirit? 
we're done with this thing. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It's even more so now today, the fact that his spirit lives inside of us, we can hear his voice better and speak it more clearer, especially as the church. And so we were even talking about this morning, like Old Testament prophets. Why are there not a lot of Old Testament prophets? Honestly, this is my opinion. I think that's the role of the church, the body. We don't need one person. We have one person. His name is Jesus Christ. He is king and we serve him. And as his body, as we hear from him, we're not only dispensing it out amongst our congregation to build ourselves up, but we are speaking light. We are speaking salt out into the world. That's my diatribe on that. These next few ones we're going to run through because I don't want to spend too much time on it. But I hope that came across in like a, came in like a spirit of humility. He wants to talk to you. He desires to speak to you. That's incredible. Um, Prophecy is for everyone. I believe that's true. We're going to talk about that in a little bit more. But in Joel 2, that was fulfilled. On, we talked about Pentecost. That was fulfilled. He's, he's poured out his spirit on all people, young, old, male, female. That's awesome. Um, prophecy is like fortune telling. I originally did not have this one in there. But when I was talking to my wife about this, she was like, I always thought prophecy was like, the show That's So Raven. And that's, I'm really speaking to one demographic here. I don't know if <laughs> you guys know what That's So Raven is, but she was like, you know, you kind of zip into this, this thing and you're like, see the future. There is a vision element to the prophetic, but it's not the only thing that makes the prophetic the prophetic. So I said that's false, kind of because it is a little bit of a portion, but it's not, we're not looking into crystal balls. We're not like, oh, an asteroid's going to come hit the earth. Look, that's not prophecy, you know? And it has to come true for it to actually be prophecy as well. Uh, and then the last one, we should de- desire the prophetic. That is 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 5. Eagerly desire the greater gifts. And then Paul goes on to say, prophecy. We should eagerly desire it. And if we should eagerly desire it, we need to know, well, how do we operate in it? How do we operate in the prophetic? And again, real quickly, this comes from a book called Growing in the Prophetic. I'm plugging it. If you have any interest in this whatsoever, there's a way deeper dive you can take. It's Mike Bickle. Anybody can read it. He's at IHOP. It's called Growing in the Prophetic. Phenomenal book. And he gives these four points that I thought were so helpful for today's conversation. The first thing uh, as we grow or, you know, operate in the prophetic is one simple prophecy. Everyone can do it. Everyone can do it. Does not mean you have to have the gift of, uh, you don't have to have the prophetic gifting. In any moment, the, the Lord can use you by giving you a word of knowledge, by giving you a picture, like a mental picture. That's a better word, in my opinion, than vision. But uh, he can give you insight into somebody's lives. That just, the, the, the end goal of this is connecting that person's heart to the Father's heart. That's the role. That's simple prophecy. Every single person in here, fifth grade through the oldest person in this, in this place, I would say starting younger than fifth grade, but we got the fifth and sixth in here this morning. You can do this. This is open to you. Next. Oh, this also does not include correction, new direction, or any kind of predictive elements. This is just simple prophecy. It's kind of like strengthening and encouraging. Uh, the next is the prophetic gifting. Really, this is just like, 
what we talked about in simple prophecy, it's happening more regularly. Uh, and so you're like, okay, this is happening more. Uh, that, that would technically mean, you know, there's a chance there's a prophetic gifting in here. This next one, prophetic ministry. I know that there are probably people in here who have been burnt in some form of fashion, maybe, with the prophetic. This is why this is so important. The prophetic ministry is made up of people who have been recognized and commissioned by their local community and have nurtured this gift through growing in maturity and working alongside a team. There's structure to this thing. So it's not me coming up here being like, I'm a prophet, thus says the Lord, and you gotta take, it, take me at what I say. That's not prophecy. The prophetic ministry is a group of people who have this gifting, who have been recognized by their church body and affirmed, you have this gift, you should be in this ministry, and you're working alongside a team. Me, if I'm trying to grow in the prophetic, I need to get around people who are more mature than I am. It's a very, very important part. And lastly, he talks about the prophetic office. And this one is, is he, this is Mike Bickle's words, very rare. It's similar to the Old Testament prophets where they kind of walk around. Um, oh, last thing on prophetic ministry, I'm so sorry. They can offer the correction uh, to a church body. Ooh. They can offer correction in the right contexts. What will not happen at this church is someone come up here and say, I'm a prophet, you guys are terrible, blah, 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 you need to change this now. We will say, hey, we love your heart, we love that you care for our community in that way, you need to come off the stage, and you need to talk to our leadership, and then we're going to discern that together, and if the leadership thinks that that is like actually a thing, then we can bring the body in, there's steps to this. So it's not like you're just going to get up and spew a bunch of stuff. That's not prophetic ministry. It's just, it might be considered prophetic ministry, but I'd say it's immature, very immature and dangerous. Uh, the prophetic office, um, th these people are not infallible, by the way. So if people do walk around saying they are the prophet, you know, I, that, that language still makes me uncomfortable. But um, Mike Bickle gives three indicators here of, of these people. Credibility over a sustained amount of time. So I would say there's probably no one in here that's operating in the prophetic office. No offense. It's okay. Um, this is something that's been confirmed over a long amount of time. There's credibility built up. Next is there's Christ-likeness. Good trees bear good fruit. So if you don't have good fruit in your life, you're probably not operating in the prophetic office. Uh, and then lastly is they have matured wisdom that comes from experience and relationship with the Holy Spirit, which is one of the most important parts of this whole gifting. You have to be in deep, deep, deep relationship with the Holy Spirit because he is the one who's disclosing the secrets of the Father. He's giving you information, and then our job is just to be obedient. Are we good? We're good? Awesome. Okay, so what is the role of the prophet? in the church. And uh, when, when I was praying through this, there was something uh, the Lord took me to uh, with John the Baptist. He took me to two phrases that John the Baptist says. And I thought it was so awesome. I was like, this, these are our points. The role of the prophet are these. And the reason I'm going with John the Baptist 
and not Jesus is because Jesus, in fact, said he's the greatest prophet that's ever lived. So I, this guy has Jesus's stamp of approval, which is good. We can trust this guy. Jesus approved of him. But he has two things that he says that I actually think encompass the role of the prophet within the church body. And the first one is make straight a way for the Lord. What the prophet's role is in the church is to be constantly uh, in communication with the spirit to say, where are you going? Where are you going? And they prepare this pathway for the Lord to come into. So it's like, almost, think about like ushering in presence. That's the role of the prophet. Not saying that that's not the role of anybody else, but the role of the prophet is to make a way so that the presence of God can come into a space and inhabit it. If you want the verse for that, it's John 1, 23, by the way. That's where John Baptist says, make straight. I'm the one calling out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, which he's actually quoting, uh, I believe, Isaiah, which is another prophet. We're going down the prophet rabbit hole. Let's get out of it. Um... Making sure I didn't miss anything there. Okay, the next thing is, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And this is my favorite thing about the prophetic, is not only do they make, they create space for him to come and inhabit, but when he shows up, not saying that anyone else can't discern it, but the prophets are the ones who are saying, he's here. He's here. Do you feel him? Do you hear him? He's speaking this. He's here. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That is the prophet's role, is to create a space, usher him in when he shows up, say he's here, and bring everyone else into awareness of it. That's such a better way of viewing the prophetic. Don't you agree? It's not crystal balls. It's not done... Uh, like really behind closed doors and like, you know, this mystical stuff. You will not fully understand it because we won't ever fully understand God. But the role of the prophet is to make a way and then to shout from the mountaintop he's here when he shows up. I truly believe that. And so thinking of the ministerial gifts here, if we were to break it down, and I'm not saying this is the, the best way to do it, but just follow me here. If we were to break down the ministerial gifts, there's five that Christ, going back to Ephesians 4, Christ has dispensed amongst his body for what the building up and unifying of his church. The prophetic makes up one of five, so that's 20%. So the prophetic operating within the church should be no less than 20%, but it should not be 100 does that make sense? We need everyone's gifts at play. And so you're thinking like, okay, I'm speaking right now to those who have the prophetic gifting that's 20% and don't hold on to these percentages, please. It's just for the analogy. But that's 20%. What about the other 80? What about the rest of us who that's not our main gifting? Again, every single person in here can operate in simple prophetic words. The Lord in any moment can come and say, I want you to share this with somebody. I have this for this person. Will you be the messenger? Will you be the mouthpiece? But for those who have the gift, there's still apostles, evangelists, uh, shepherds, and there's teachers. So what's the role of the body? 
And this has been my favorite thing in preparing for this sermon is you guys, every single person here has a role to play in this. You don't seem very excited about that. Every single person has a role to play in the kingdom of God, and every single person in here has a role to play in the prophetic ministry, even if it is not your first, like, I love how Lance Humphrey says it. You might not have the HD channel on the prophetic. You might, your HD channel might be in apostleship or something like that. You still have a role to play in prophetic ministry. So what is that, Chase? If you got, well, it's on the, it's on the screen. Before I jump into this verse, I want to say this real quick too. The prophet is not the head of the body. And I think one of the ways that we have misappropriated this beautiful, beautiful gift that is absolutely necessary and vital to Christ's body and church is we've made the prophet almost in a higher uh, context. If a prophet says it, you have to listen. First Thessalonians 5, 19 through 21 tells us that is not the case, so we can exhale and learn. I added punctuation here. Do not quench the spirit, exclamation point. That is added by me, and I think Paul would approve of that exclamation point. Do not quench the spirit, exclamation point. Do not treat uh, prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Every single prophetic word that is uttered on this earth should be tested. I don't care if this person's batting a thousand percent or a thousand. If he's about, if he's never missed one, you still test it because human beings are fallible. You test it. That's wisdom. So just because someone tells you something does not mean that it is true. Maybe it needs to be discerned more. Uh, real quick on pictures. This just popped in my head. Uh, one of the most useful things, I, I, I think the Lord gave it to me. It could have been through a sermon. It could have been, I don't know, I don't know how it popped into my head, but it popped in my head at one point. Uh, thinking about prophetic words, because usually that's going to be the most... Um, relevant expression of the prophetic in this body uh, is prophetic words like given to one another, words of knowledge, words of encouragement. And think of those as um, when you would take pictures on a disposable camera and you did not allow time for those pictures to develop, what would it be called? The print. It'd be called a negative print. Same thing with pictures that we have in our head that the Lord gives us for other people. If we rush ahead of the Lord and we're not patient, what could happen in that moment is we develop, we, we speak something to someone who's not ready to receive it in that time and it has a negative impact on that person. So as those who are giving gifts, you do it in love and you do it in humility and you test it with the Lord first saying, is it the right time? If he says yes, you obey. If he says no, you hold on to it. If he gave you a word, he's not going to let you forget about it. Okay? Because we don't want negative prints. We want beautiful, uh, colorful pictures. Um, that's a weird analogy, but I love it. Um, and then it ends up saying, like, so going back to the verse, hold on to what is good, reject what is evil. 
evil here does not mean sinister. It could mean that. But really, evil just means like anything outside the will of God. So I might, in my purest heart of heart, be trying to di like disclose something to you. I feel like the Lord is uh, Trent. I just feel like the Lord is like, you know, calling you into retirement. Now, as a church, we could all say, we don't confirm that. We're not confirming that word. He's wrong. That's what the body does. We're a sounding board. So all 80%, the other 80% are the sounding board for the prophet. And why is this important? Because it gives you guys, uh, it gives everyone a role to play. And it actually allows, so when the prophet's confirmed, when the prophet's confirmed, they don't receive any glory. The Father does, the one who gave the word. Now, they feel awesome that they got chose to disclose the word, but then it also creates a protection for you. So, like, when we actually operate in this, uh, when we're testing every word, um, it's providing uh, protection for the body. But it also is accountability for the prophet. And so, here at Skyline, that is how we're going to operate in this thing. If you have a word that's being spoke over you, you are going to test it. And if the Lord confirms it, then you receive it and you give praise to the one who gave it to you. Not the, not the prophet, to the Father. How great is it that we get to like hear his voice and communicate it to other people? That's fantastic. But we're not going to elevate prophets to the head of the church because guess what? That spot's filled by Jesus. And it will never, he'll never be dethroned from that position. So we will absolutely operate in the prophetic ministry here at Skyline because it's vital, but we will do it properly. We'll do it properly. And so that moves us into one of our last points, which is like, what does a healthy prophetic ministry even look like? Um, I'm so thankful that when Jonathan asked me to give this, that I could hit this part. Like, I want to end on what does healthy prophetic ministry look like? And I have an example in our very own church. Whether you know it or not, here at Skyline, we have a healthy prophetic ministry that's running, that has been cultivated by Sue Crawford and Tara Silvestri. And those two people have done so much behind the scenes for this church. If you're new here and you walked in, and you're like, oh my gosh, the presence of God is here. Sue Crawford and Tara Silvestri play a massive role in that. Massive. And they've actually allowed um, other people with the prophetic gifting a place to come and like safely be a soundboard and like, ah, I don't know if I do it that way. I do it this way. They're, they're doing these things. But like, I just wanted to honor those two women because what they've done in this church, th there's fruit bearing right now in its season because of what they've done, their faithfulness to hear from the Lord, to obey and to do this in humility and love. So I'm so thankful that here at Skyland, we have a healthy prophetic ministry. Um, I also have like a Bible story, which is fun. So if you guys were here last week, uh, Hayden talked on John 4. And before she ever talked on John 4, I knew that I wanted to work John 4 into the sermon in some way. And she, I mean, the Lord just used her to bust the doors wide open for me. 
And uh, it's this. So John 4, Jesus meets this woman at the well. And I want to say this too real quick. This is just a teaching point. This has nothing to do with prophecy. We read that story with a modern eye and we say this woman has divorced five times and is living with another man. And we immediately start thinking negative things about the woman. In ancient Jewish civilization, the only way to get a divorce was for a man to file that divorce. So let's get out of our modern context of thinking this woman, this woman has been mistreated by men her entire life. Five times, potentially going on six. And here comes the greatest man to ever walk the earth. And according to John's gospel, according to John's gospel, it's the first person he reveals his divinity to. How powerful is that? That he shows up to the least of these and says, I see you. And I know your heart and I know your desires, but his prophetic, Jesus' prophetic uh, ministry was being seen in this. She even says, I can tell you're a prophet. I can tell you're a prophet. But through this prophetic interaction with Jesus, she ends up running back into town and says, come and see a man who tells me everything about myself, which is terrifying and uncomfortable. But she had a moment with Jesus that changed everything. And what I want to focus on is uh, verses 40 through 42. If you guys wouldn't mind just turning there real quick. I'm going to start in 39 as you guys are turning there. But it's John 4, 40 through 42. But it says, she, so this is after she goes back into town. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. That's evangelism. Hayden nailed that last week. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more, believer, uh, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. What does this have to do with the healthy prophetic ministry? This is what it is. When we create a space in this church at Skyline where we acknowledge that the prophetic is important, but not the most important, and we're acknowledging his presence and we're ushering in his presence, his power is seen, it's felt here. And so that empowers us to go out and be evangelists, take his presence with us, be lights, be attractors. But we can say with confidence, not that this is the only place that it can happen, but we can say with confidence, come and see a man. Come and see a man. Come, come, I've seen so many signs this week, not prophetic signs, like yard signs that are like, like, hey, don't forget to invite a friend to church or someone to church this week. I've seen it so much. I used to think that was so corny. But it's true. We should, this is the place where he dwells. We know, I know he, he manifests out there. But it's 100% of the time he's manifesting himself here on Sunday mornings, on Mondays at noon, at Wednesdays at, uh, at night. He's manifesting himself here. So what we get to do is as we engage in this prophetic ministry of, uh, of hearing his voice, we can then go out into the world, say, come and see a man, and they can show up here and they can hear his voice for themselves and say, I no longer believe because you told me that he was here. I know he's here too. 
that's what healthy prophetic ministry does. It creates this space and it yells from the mountaintop, come here and see somebody who will change everything. And that's what I want Skyline to look like. And I'm happy that I say Skyline looks like that. We have stories in this, in, in this body right now. I'm looking, at, I'm looking at people where I'm like, I know your story. I know you showed up here. Some not even knowing who Jesus was. And you sat in a pew. Not one person talked to you. You heard God's voice. You knew he's real. And everything changed in an instant. That's what the church needs to be in these days. A place that hosts his presence. And the prophetic ministry aids in that. That's why we're not getting rid of it. So, last point. Band, feel free to come back up. Actually, please, God, come back up. <laughs> come on. Um, I've prayed all week that he would show up and that those who have been wounded by the prophetic would be healed and restored. That those who have the prophetic gift, that he would speak and say, hey, this is for you. And for those who, it's not the prophetic gifting, but that you would just have a different understanding of what role this plays in our church and that you actually have a role to play in it. That's what I've been praying. So I know that there's people in here this morning that are thinking, okay, how do, how do I grow in that? How do I grow in that? Even if it's just simple prophecy, just simple. How do I grow in the prophetic? The first thing is you gotta be patient. God's not a genie. God's not somebody who's gonna, you know, always give us our way in the moment. But Matthew 7, when Jesus is talking, about the Father, he says, he gives good gifts. So we can rest assured that whatever you ask for from the Father, you'll receive a good gift, which is fantastic. Like if you take anything away from this, like, you know, get rid of the prophecy stuff. You have a Father in heaven who loves you and loves to give good gifts, which leads us to our next point. Our deaths last, but you know, we'll get there. But another thing is, we got to be available. We live in one of, I'll say, the most distraction filled societies. It's easy to miss his voice. I know, I know, I just I feel like I can't ever hear God's voice, which is a real frustration amongst believers. I'm not making fun of that. Have you made yourself available? There's a million, a million things that are fighting for your attention. But there's one thing that really matters. Are you making, are you positioning yourself to hear from him, to listen? I have to, I, this is one of the biggest areas for me is to learn to listen to the still, calm, and beautiful voice of God. you hear his voice changes everything every single person here he wants to talk to you will you make space this week just to sit
sit and listen? And here's the crazy part. When you listen he might, and, and he speaks, he might ask you to do something, which leads to the next thing. Availability actually creates a way for us when prompted to act. And when we act, we do it with humility and we do it with love. We don't do it from a posture of God told me this, you better receive it. We do it with a, hey, this is, uh, I've said this a lot. This is weird and random, but I'm just trying to grow. But how do you grow if you don't try? So we need to listen, we need to act, we need to exercise, uh, exercise out of humility and love. And that's just all from being available. And last but not least, we want to ask. And, and I'm, I'm going to ask that the prayer ministry comes up here. We, again, we have a healthy prophetic ministry here at Skyline. I don't think that this is too lofty of an ask. If you want to hear God's voice, there's an opportunity to this morning. It does not mean that you have to get up and come get prayed over. You can hear his voice. He maybe spoke to you already. Maybe he spoke to you before I ever got up here. I prayed that he'd do that. But we have an opportunity set up where you can come down and we have people who are trained in hearing his voice and delivering it in humility and love. I want to invite you prayed over. Or if this is something where you're like, this is something in me. My heart beats fast when you talk about the prophetic ministry. Let's pray over you and pour gasoline on that thing. Come on. We need you guys. The world needs you guys. So I'm just going to quick, quickly pray. And, and we're going to move into a time of worship and a time to receive and hear from God. But Lord, so good. So good. And I love that you want to talk to us. And I'm sorry that as a, a church and even me, I want to focus on me, God, that there's been times where I would rather control cert, uh, certain situations than, than to obey you. And I'm sorry that I've been so distracted that I don't make time to hear your voice, but Lord, you still speak. You speak. You speak a better word than the word uh, than what the world has to offer. So that's my prayer this morning. Jesus, speak. Speak. Because one word from you changes everything. I pray that in your name, Jesus. Amen. <laughs>